Hello, hello. My name is Katie Yu, and I am so excited to welcome you back to another episode of Solidarity on the Bench. As always, let me start with telling you where I am when I'm filming. I am filming again, sitting with my back. Oh my gosh, now that I'm talking about it, I need better posture. So my back is a little hunched. I'm just sitting on the floor and in my podcasting space in my room. And I'm super excited. Well, maybe not super excited. I feel like I'm always, I always kind of say that, but this one is definitely going to be a little bit harder to talk about. So just a content warning. I will be talking about kind of like losing friendships and how to get over that. So if you are not in the headspace to be listening to this type of content, content, please feel free to exit and come back if and when you are ready and capable and want to hear this. So this week's episode is going to be talking about what to do when you've lost a friend. I definitely have talked a lot about friendships and a lot about connections and I've been pretty candid with the fact that I have had my ups and downs with friendships, definitely, and I just wanted to kind of touch on what I have done and what I do when I do lose a friendship. Um, And yeah, I just don't really have an agenda. I'm just going to be talking about what's on my mind. So it's going to be like a nice little conversation between you and I. Something that I talk about a lot on my platform is this idea of friendships and is this idea of connection. And we as human beings, we crave connection, right? We crave community and it's so hard. And I know that for me, especially social isolation is one of my biggest triggers. It is something that I have had to work on for a very long time. And it is something that has never gotten easier. This idea with losing friendships though, is that sometimes you're not in the wrong. They're not in the wrong. It's just not a good fit between you two. And that I think is the hardest to deal with. It's the hardest to deal with in any relationship is like not necessarily right person, wrong time vibes, but like that there's nothing to blame and that there was no big falling out. It was just this slow fizzle or it was this conversation or this coming to terms that you guys were just not really a fit in a relationship, whether that be romantic or platonic. In this case, we're talking about platonic, but What I've done recently, and I've been pretty public with, like, me kind of struggling socially in the past um, couple of months, especially, like, the, the end of my college, what I really did was I threw myself into the relationships that I had, and I think that for so long... I wanted a best friend and I wanted one person to be my point person and I have that. I definitely have best friends but I can confidently say that I don't have one single point person which is both a blessing and a curse, right? It is really hard to have such a wide range of people in your circle and such a wide range of people to call your people and it is also a terrible and beautiful thing. I am so very lucky to have the amazing people around me in my circle and I think that sometimes I can overemphasize my relationship with one person and then overemphasize and grieve and then also grieve the loss of that person if they do step out of my life. And everyone in my brain is always like, I don't have hierarchies or friends or anything like that, but I definitely have like a close-knit circle and it hurts you know when one person has to leave for some reason and I think that the the first thing that I do is I take it internally and I think that there is something 
wrong with me because I like to pride myself on choosing people in my life and being very intentional with the friendships that I hold. And so when someone in my life kind of doesn't fit anymore and it doesn't have to be because you know there was a big falling out but just if I realize that the fit is not right I take that really harshly upon myself because I feel like it's a failure of my own personal judgment and so that's the first thing that always happens when I do lose a friendship and something that my therapist always says to me at this time because we talk a lot about friendships is that I am way too hard on myself. Like, it is not a reflection of me. Like, my friends, yes, they kind of are. Like, they do shape who I am. But, like, for better or for worse, they are still not a reflection of me. And it is okay to go through friendships. And it is okay to be close with some people at some points and further away from them at other points. And, you know, losing a friendship is not a a bad reflection on you or where you are. A lot of the times, especially in college, I've noticed that when I do lose friendships, it is mainly because we're just in different places in our lives, and that is not because I'm in a better place or they're in a worse place. Like, there's no hierarchy, there's no bad blood, it's just that we didn't necessarily fit, and I think that to properly grieve the end of the friendship is just to realize that no one was at fault, and I think being an adult and maturing is realizing that there doesn't have to be anyone to put the blame on in a lot of situations. You can both be wrong or in this case you can both be not wrong and like the situation was wrong. There was nothing wrong with either of you and I think that I am so quick to judge myself for the ending of relationships that I have to remember and remind myself that it is okay and that is normal and natural and that it happens. So number one, just remember that it happens to everyone and that it's not necessarily because you're a bad person or they're a bad person. Like friendships can just end naturally. And now once you've tried to realize that or tried your best to, you're kind of in this space where, I don't know if, about you guys, I've lost friends who are as low as acquaintances and as big as people that I would have called my best friends. And it is hard because there's like this big kind of chunk in your life missing. And I don't ever think that, you know, people can fill voids of other people. I think that the beautiful thing is that everyone comes into your life and leaves and they leave a mark on you for better or for worse. And I don't, I'm not trying to look to fill the void that that other person left. I think that the void that they left and the lessons that they taught me and all the good memories and the good times is not necessarily something that I need to mourn. And in me losing that friendship, it does not diminish how incredible and amazing that friendship was for me and served a great purpose in a time of my life and in a time where I really needed them, like they were there for me, you know, and just because we maybe had a messy ending or maybe we didn't have a great ending and just because the friendship ended in some way or another doesn't take away from the amount of memories and how much I did cherish this person in my life. So moving forward, I can recognize that there is this hole, like there's this missing part of my life that was there one day and is not there the next. In this, I know that my tendency with anything that is hard in my life is to isolate myself. And all I want to do is throw myself the biggest pity party and stay in my room and scroll on TikTok and be sad about my about my situation and for myself and 
for me, it is healthy to a certain point. So I do let myself indulge in that behavior because I realize that if I throw myself a pity party and like when I do that, at least for the first day or two, it helps me really properly grieve the situation and that's how I feel my feelings. But I also say that it's helpful up to a certain point because at some point in this pity party, it turns from being helpful to being somewhat destructive almost in the sense that, okay, maybe a pity party is not self-care for me anymore. So once that threshold is reached and it is completely different for for everyone, but for me personally, it's about one day. Once that threshold is is reached, I'm like, okay, it is time to take action. It is time to stop sitting in this feeling that everything sucks and that your life sucks and that this is the worst situation on earth and you're never going to be happy again. Like, I don't want to feel that way and it doesn't make me feel good. So what am I going to do? I'm going to try to do something, anything. I'm going to go back to my coping mechanisms, go back to the bare minimum. And for me, I've recognized that my bare minimum and like what makes me happy is number one, sticking to a routine and sticking to a schedule. It means that if I have to pull myself up at 7.45 in the morning so that I can go to the gym and work out. Like, I know that even if I don't want to do that, it is going to make me feel better. Like, my therapist and I know that the gym is my coping mechanism. So, I definitely need to be on that schedule, not necessarily even just going to the gym, but going to the gym at 8 a.m. because that was my holy grail for two years. Like, that's what I did was I went to the gym four to five times a week at 8 a.m. So, Getting myself back on my routine as much as possible is super helpful. I also love, you know, just going back to the basics, making sure I'm eating proper meals because, again, in my isolation, I can tend to skip meals and that is not healthy. I do need to eat. So I just make sure that I'm eating balanced meals, healthy meals. And for me, that really just meant like getting over and like going to the dining hall. And like, I think that sometimes when I was losing a lot of my really close friends, that was a really big fear of mine because I hated eating alone at the dining halls and I didn't want to be perceived being alone. And so I would skip meals because I didn't want to do that. And then I was mourning the loss of these friendships and I go on and on and on. And the result of that was that I was not being nourished, I was sleeping way too much, and I was throwing myself these pity parties for days and days. And it wasn't making me feel better, and I was keeping myself stuck. And in this, like, fear of being seen alone at the dining halls, I then wasn't nourishing my body, and because I wasn't nourishing my body, I didn't have energy to go to the gym. And because I wasn't going to the gym, I wasn't really showering and taking care of my hygiene, and everything just kind of spirals. And it can spiral so fast, and I knew that I did not want that. So it all started with me going to get myself some food and getting up at 7.45 to get to the gym at 8. And it's like these non-negotiables that I know make me feel good and that will stick to my schedule. So that's what I do. And in this most recent time, I've posted about this very publicly, but like I started this series called F the Slump Era because I felt like I was just in this slump of sad for the longest time and I couldn't shake it. I felt like, you know, one thing would be resolved and then I would be dealing with another thing and it was just everything at once, but not everything at once because it was dragged out for months and months and I felt so powerless in my life and I felt like I was just kind of 
on the defensive instead of on the offensive. And so I started F the slump era and it has helped. But if you don't know what I'm talking about, let me break it down for you. I basically, I called it F the slump era because I love calling my things eras, but F the slump era is doing one thing every single day that is intentional and is like off my phone. And I said it was like one thing to get myself out of my head and back into my body. Because again, something that I really struggle with is dissociation, is social isolation. So I really wanted to make sure that I was emphasizing for myself anyway, like being in my physical being and doing things that made me feel good. And so I ended up starting this series and I did things alone and that was really hard for a really long time and I think that I made it look a lot better and nicer on social media than it really felt um, in real life. But like the first day, for example, I went to the pool for two hours and then I went to the gym for an hour and a half and it was like so lovely, exactly what I needed. I spent a lot of time reading. I threw myself into reading and keeping myself busy that way because I realized that like I had lost one of my really good friends and I lost someone that I had spent a lot of time socially with and I had no one to spend time with. And so I basically just tried to cope and grieve as best as I could, but also try to live the life that I wanted to live. And then the last thing that I really did around this time was reach out to my support systems. And as I mentioned before, I have a lovely, incredible, strong circle of friends. And I'm so grateful for that. But I think that sometimes I can hyper fixate on one friend or one relationship and then again, subsequently grieve that relationship. And so what I was hearing from a lot of my friends was that I was isolating myself and I was not reaching out as much because I just felt so lonely. And because I wasn't reaching out to my close friends and like I would continue to feel more lonely and then I was really feeling the loss of a big part of my life. So what I did was I sent out texts and I was like, hey guys, you know, I'm not doing okay. I this situation happened and I currently feel like this and this is how you can support me and this is how you can be there for me. And for some people, they were long distance friendships. And so some of the support was like, by the way, like I'm just going to be acting like this or like I need you to check in with me like this. And some of the people were like physically with me. And so I'd be like, I would really appreciate if we could hang out more and we could really like make an intentional effort to see each other more. And I really, like it's scary and it's vulnerable, but I had to put myself out there because I realized, and I've always realized this, but like social isolation is something that I do. It's not just a big trigger, but it's also some, like it's it's my biggest coping mechanism. So in combating that I really had to put myself out there and be vulnerable with my friends and it worked definitely I think that when someone in your life is vulnerable in that capacity the human in you wants nothing more than to just be there and help them and recognizing not only one like how you're feeling but two how they can help is so helpful like I think that as people like if someone if one of your friends came up to you and they're like I'm feeling really sad you're like okay like let me know how I can help or like how can I help you and you feel powerless it's not a fun position to be in as a friend and so a lot of what I did was doing a lot of that self-reflection and and understanding what it would take for the friends in my life to support me in this matter and because I again recognize that social isolation is my trigger then the 
to combat that, what I needed my friends to do was to reach out and to hang out with me and to include me in their plans, which they were all so gracious and loving and did, which I am so like incredibly grateful for. I also asked if they could just listen and validate my feelings and listen to my side of the story because I felt like I couldn't really talk to anyone in my life about it. And so a lot of the friends that I had did listen and they did validate and they talked to me and they gave me advice and the good friends too, like they kept it real. They were like, you know, you could have said this better, like you could have done this better, but I totally see where you're coming from and you did the best you could and et cetera, et cetera. And I'm so grateful for the people in my life who gave me that space and created that space and held that space for me, especially in the weeks before graduation when everything was kind of tumultuous. I had so many people just hold that space for me and validate my feelings and I could not have done um, like a lot of the work and like felt as good as I do right now if I didn't have that space to be validated by my peers. So definitely talking to your people, reaching out and being vulnerable because people will be vulnerable back. And then finally, I think what I did was I just threw myself into new situations. And I threw myself into situations with people that I have never hung out with or intentionally, you know, made plans with ever. And I reached out to a lot of my old friends and I think that I think that my situation was a little bit unique because it was the end of college and so I was reaching out to a lot of old friends, some acquaintances, people I was like, oh, I don't know if I'll ever see you again. You know, let's grab a meal, let's do this. And I started to fill up and book my social calendar again. And that was actually the suggestion of my mom. My mom's like, you love it. Like, it feels good to be talking and making friends with a lot of different people. And so I reached out to kind of like my outer circle of friends, the friends that I see less often. And I was like, you know what? I want to hang out with you. Like, let's hang out. And it's not like because they were my second tier friends or anything like that. Like, you you know, there's no ranking in friends. I just didn't really see them as often. And we started to make plans. They started to include me in things. And that felt really good. It's just putting myself out there and making and and saying yes to opportunities that I don't think I would have said yes to had I been with some of my friends or I didn't, I didn't, I wouldn't have the time or the energy to say yes to. So I ended up because of like, because of putting myself out there, because of asking for what I needed and because of my incredible friends, I was able to do such incredible things and make incredible, I have to stop saying the word incredible, I'm so sorry, but make memories like going hiking or going to Joshua Tree, like I was able to be included and to be loved in that way and I don't think the people in my life knew just how special that is and even thinking about it right now I'm tearing up because I had always wanted to do things like that but I never felt like I had the group or the people to do it with and now that I had the space and the time capacity and the energy to hang out and meet new people like I was saying yes to a lot of things that I wouldn't have necessarily said yes to and it made the end of my college experience great and something my therapist and I said was like you know Maybe you're not invited to some things with your old friends and and that definitely stings, but think about the opportunities that you have right now. Think about the things that you're not missing out on. Think about if you had gone to this thing, you wouldn't have been invited to Joshua Tree. Like, just think about the ways in which the universe has come 
full circle and has heard you and has included you and yeah like sometimes you know the experiences are scary it's scary to say yes it's scary to go and hang out with a bunch of people who you don't really know and I was really conscious of my social battery and the people that I was close to was also like kind of conscious that it was just a hard situation to be in especially after feeling so socially isolated just to like be thrown into a group of people that you hardly really know it's scary but I made such incredible memories and I felt included and and that was a result of asking for the help that I needed and and telling people how to help me and I I don't know I I'm tearing up thinking about it so if you guys are listening to this you know who you are thank you for for making the end of my college just feel so inclusive and so loving and I think that I really cannot take for granted the people in my life who are conscious of things like social batteries and who are conscious of my feelings and who really do help me when I tell them how I need to be helped, you know? And um, I definitely realize that I have overlooked a lot of incredible friendships in favor of some because, again, I have a tendency to kind of hyperfixate. I don't think my brain can handle, you know, all of these relationships in my head at once in, in terms of friendships, right? I can only really handle a handful. And so if someone's a front runner in my life and they com- and they suddenly drop out, I now have time and capacity to spend and invest in other people. And... The last thing that I learned in college is that, especially like in this era, I was like, okay, you know, socially it sucks a little bit, but I also don't have to try to fiend for these deep connections with people. Like it is okay if the people in my life are just friends. They don't have to be my best friends. They don't have to, you know, push me in some incredible emotional way. It is okay if the only purpose that this person is serving right now is to hang out with you by the pool. And like, what if you never see them again? That's all right. You have this lovely memory with them. And and realizing that not every single person that I come across needs to be my best friend, I think that taking that expectation off of meeting new people was so relieving because I was like, I don't have to need to connect with everyone that I meet. It is okay if people are just friends. Like, it's okay if they're just acquaintances and they don't ever move past that stage. It is so beautiful to to fill your life with people that you just kind of know. And that doesn't mean that you don't have people who you have very deep connections with. That doesn't mean that at all. But it is so beautiful to be open to new experiences and opportunities. And I really embodied that my senior year of college of being like, okay, I want to be known for being nice. I want to be known for being open. And the only way to do that is to be nice and open. And so I'm going to say yes to opportunities that scare me. And I'm going to put myself out there socially. And I'm going to have to be a little bit extroverted sometimes. And I'm going to have to be vulnerable with my friends. But ultimately, it's going to make a very beautiful life for myself. So that is how I dealt with, you know, the ending of one of my really close friendships in the past couple of months. I definitely am not perfect. I am still learning and I think I'm sitting here and, you know, obviously (laughs) I'm proud of myself. I don't think that I ever gave myself credit for the amount of work that I did in the past couple of months and 
it makes me emotional to think about how, like, I guess well I handled it because it was a huge disruption in my college experience, but I also don't want to come from a place of preaching because what you guys don't see like on this podcast and on my Instagram is like the amount that I cried, the feelings of isolation and of loneliness and not only just like deliberate isolation but also like personal like I isolated myself and you know there's just a lot of isolation and you guys like don't see that and you don't see the struggle you just kind of hear from the other side and I would have loved, you know, to be able to sit down and film a coherent podcast when I was completely in the middle of it. And there is that one podcast episode that I do encourage you guys to listen to. It is one of my favorites, but it is the one that's titled like senior year kind of sucks or senior year kind of sucked. But, you know, I'm sitting here on the other side. I've graduated from college. I'm out of that kind of situation where social pressures and like the feeling that you need to be with friends all the time like I'm out of that almost and I don't want to come at it from a preachy way because I'm sitting on the other side of it but please know that like you don't see how hard it is and I don't ever want to diminish how hard it is all I want to do especially with this podcast is to provide that solidarity and show you guys and explain to you how I've gotten through some of the hardest times and it definitely was a really hard time in my life. It was, it hurt, it cut so deep, and I've never felt just so isolated and so unimportant in a lot of people's lives. Like, I I can't even begin to describe how hard it was to pull myself out of this hole, but I want to be a testimony and to show you guys that, like, if I could do it, you could do it too. So, I hope that I don't know, listening to my story, listening to how I did it and how I overcame and accepted the closing of friendships can help you in your own journey as well. If you enjoyed this episode of the podcast, please consider subscribing. I have a couple of podcast episodes up that might be of interest to you. One about my medication journey, one about how I grew to 100,000 subscribers on Instagram, and there will be more coming on topics like hookup culture, relationships, boys, things that I don't necessarily talk about and want to talk about publicly. So that will be in my description box if you are interested in subscribing. I also have an Instagram. It is just my name at KDU and I have a newsletter that comes out also every Tuesday. So please, if you're interested and you like my advice, please consider subscribing. I will have all of those links down below as well. And I love you guys so much. I hear you. I feel you. If you were also sitting in this space, I know how shitty it is and I have been there and I know that I will be there in the future. It is such a human experience. It's a universal experience and just know that you aren't alone and that there is so much solidarity on this bench. So I love you guys so much and I will see you in next week's episode. 